0: Hello, and welcome to this Unpacked Short. I'm Charlie Pickles. I am joined, as ever, by Peter Franklin. Hello. Hello, Peter. Um, Today, we are talking about Europe and whether it might be on the brink of a new 30 years war. Now, this has been a particularly popular uh, Unpacked on our website, so I do recommend that you go and check it out um, and have a read so you can get the full flavour of Peter's argument. But we will run through it, as always, in a punchy way. Um, Just 10 minutes of your time. So, Peter, what you're saying is that there are some quite strong parallels, perhaps, between the situation we're facing now and the, uh, I guess, circumstances which brought to an end the peace of Augsburg. We're going to come on to that and the historical kind of context for it. But let's just kick off by asking... Why does Merkel like to talk about this?
1: Um well, I mean this this is really fascinating. I I don't I didn't know that she did until I read a, a very interesting profile on Spiegel Online um by René Fister, and he um he sort of looks at some recent Merkel speeches in which she seems to talk about And not surprisingly, this is the 400th anniversary of the outbreak of the Thirty Years' War, which was 1618. And she sees, apparently, a parallel to Europe at the moment, in that there was a long period of peace from the, uh, within the Holy Roman Empire, from 1555, when the Peace of Augsburg was negotiated, through to the outbreak in 1618 of the Thirty Years War, and she thinks that just because there's been a long period of peace in Europe today over the last, you know, all, well, all the decades since since, since the uh, Second World War, she says, well, history teaches us that we can't take it for granted. And I think it's, this is quite remarkable that... Um, she should be saying something of such historical resonance.
0: Okay, so, so let's delve a little bit then into the history. Yes. So um, why did that 60-year peace collapse?
1: Well, it was negotiated in the wake of the Reformation in which you had certain states within the Holy Roman Empire, which basically means, well, it wasn't holy. <laughs> It, it, wasn't wasn't, Roman, no, it, wasn't it wasn't Roman, no, it wasn't an empire. It was a loose confederation of mostly German-speaking statelets, some of them tiny, some of them really quite big, like Habsburg, Austria. And um, what happened in the Reformation is that while some stayed Catholic, others became, followed Luther and became Lutheran. And there was, sadly, sort of fighting. And they said, well, no, this this can't go on. We need a peace. We need a compromise. And the compromise was, well, whatever religion the prince of each state um, uh, chose, his people <laughs> would be expected to follow it. So freedom of religious conscience for the upper classes, but obviously not the peasants, um, seem to have been the order of the day. But it was a compromise. It kept the peace for quite a long time until the outbreak of the Thirty Years' War, which was utterly devastating. Um, it depopulated whole swathes of what is now Germany. So it was probably the worst conflicts on the European continent until the First World War.
0: And the point you make, Peter, is that um, part of the reason that that peace broke down was because uh, we had the emergence of Calvinism, which was a sort of disruptive third-four.
1: That's right, and the original agreement didn't allow for... It was just a sort of Catholic-Lutheran thing. There was no accommodation for other sort of denominations.
0: And so this is partly where you see the parallels with today. Um, Talk us through a little bit about why you think um, there is some merit, even if not perhaps for the same reasons, but some merit in uh, the German Chancellor's uh, use of this sort of analogy.
1: Well, I see that, you know, obviously as a confederation, the Holy Roman Empire stands for the European Union, right? Um, and I see it as a compromise between the economically orthodox states of the core, the core European, um, well, the core eurozone states, let's say, so sort of Germany, Holland, um, those sort of places, um, versus um, southern Europe and its um, rather more profligate governments and, you know, more heavily indebted governments. And I see those as the the, the sort of equivalents of the, the sort of orthodox, sort of, we're staying with Rome parts of the Holy Roman Empire and the more sort of breakaway, sort of rebellious ones.
0: But you also um, mention more the kind of, I guess, political rather than just economic aspects of some of the divisions within Europe. Yes. Well, this
1: this brings in the third force, which I've likened to the Calvinists. And these are the East Europeans, the Poles, the Czechs, the the Hungarians, who have... um, Well, they're they're neither Southern European in that they're they're, they're quite, you know, economically orthodox. They don't like the idea of the Southern Europeans getting all of this sort of debt forgiveness. Um, But neither do they um, sign up to the kind of very liberal, open borders attitudes of Northern Europe.
0: Or as you put it in the piece, the liberal truth faith.
1: Indeed, yes. So um, you've got this disruptive third force, and of course then there's a fourth force, uh, which is Britain, and actually back in the days of the Holy Roman Empire, you had bits that were trying to break away altogether, like, um, well, the the Netherlands, for instance. Back then, the Protestant Netherlands were trying to break away and become, and, and indeed achieved, a full independence.
0: And so it's not entirely clear exactly um, why uh, Merkel, the German Chancellor um, is worried about a sort of equivalent collapse of the peace but one would assume the sort of Brexit heretics uh, being part of that Um, but what essentially you're saying Peter is that but the the EU itself uh, is structured in such a way that actually there is sort of Or perhaps a bit of an inevitability about the collapse of of this kind of inflexible uh, structure. Yes. And actually, you make a very interesting comparison between Merkel, or perhaps Germany more broadly, uh, and Ferdinand II. Yes,
1: he was the emperor who, the Habsburg emperor, um, who more than anyone else, I guess, was responsible for the war coming he's um, um, breaking out. Um, he was Catholic, but unlike his Catholic forebears, he was really unaccommodating to any other tendencies. And in trying to bring the, the heretics as he saw it to, 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 to heal, um, you know he he ramped up all the tensions and that's why the fighting broke out. And today we can see Germany absolutely refusing to make meaningful concessions which is why Brexit happened because Merkel gave David Cameron nothing essentially it's why uh, we see um, the clashes with um, Viktor Orban and the Polish government Um, and it's why we see what happened in Greece and why we see what happened in what is happening in Italy so You know, at some point, this structure um, either has got to, you know, someone's got to assert full control or there's got to be a lot more flexibility. If someone fails to be flexible and fails to assert full control, then obviously you're going to get chaos. And, you know, I don't think we're going to get, you know, an actual fighting war as a result of this. But I think we could see, you know, real division in Europe and the biggest crisis for the EU that it's it's, it's, ever, it's ever
0: experienced so far. So there we go. Uh, Angela Merkel might want to have a look at herself uh, when she's having these discussions about the collapse of the Peace of Augsburg. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you, James, for uh, producing this podcast. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. We hope you've enjoyed it. Um, if you have, please rate us uh, on whatever the provider podcast provider is that you use. And of course, do subscribe if you haven't already, and do tell a few other people about it uh, if you have enjoyed it. Um, and we hope you tune into the next one.